the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Galatians uh, is the first of a series of short letters, and there was this region around the eastern side of Asia Minor, and Paul wrote this letter to the churches at Galatia, and, you know, different gatherings of disciples in different areas probably would have read this, and the purpose of Galatians was very, very straightforward to call out and really refute false teaching that had taken root in some of the churches of that region. So we welcome you to our continued study of the New Testament book of Galatians. Bert Harper and Alex McFarland here, and so glad that you are listening to today's edition of Exploring the Word. And Bert, you know what? I was just thinking about uh, what you and I have the privilege of doing, and every Christian really, doing something that the church has done for 2,000 years. That's to present, explain, and if need be, even defend the gospel. This is a part of something very special and very timeless. It is. And can you imagine the first people to read the book of Galatians? You know, uh, mm. sometimes we need to do that as best we can. You and I have been reading the scriptures, studying the scriptures for many times. But ever so often, I try to remember, okay, I want to read this like it was the first time it was ever read, not just by me, but, you know, fresh off of off of Peter's hand and his, with, with Galatians, it was his hand. He wrote it with his own hand. And, and just fresh, think about it. And it just brings it alive so much, Alex. And we're praying that the book of Galatians, as we've been studying it, would just come alive to you. And, and why would he write this letter is because of the distortion of the gospel. And he doesn't miss a lick. He says this is vital. Two vital things, many, but two vital. Salvation is by grace through faith. It is in Christ, in Christ alone. And Jesus is the very Son of God, the very perfect sacrifice that lived that perfect life, that died on the cross, was buried, and rose again. I just want to tell you, when Paul takes that on, he makes it clear that this is a priority. And we need to make it a priority on exploring the Word, on AFR. We need to make it a priority in our churches that Jesus Christ is the way and the only way that you get to heaven. There's no other way. There's no plan B, Alex. Well, that's true. There is no plan B. And we're, we're in chapter 2 right now. Um, you know, Galatians is one of those books. There are some phrases in there that have become just part of the common vernacular. And uh, when we get over to chapter 6, we'll point out some of those. But uh, Paul, in chapter 2, he had talked about he was really committed and called to preach to Gentiles, although he would preach to any group, but Peter, largely to the Jews, Paul, largely to the Gentiles. And let me um, read here uh, in really verse uh, 13 and 14, um, where he's talking about uh, certain ones came from James, he ate with the Gentiles, but when the Jewish leaders were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision, in other words, the Jewish leaders. And let me read this, then I want us to think about our own 
courageous consistency for the gospel. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. Now, dissimulation is division. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, live after the manner of the Gentiles and do not as the Jews, why do you compel the Gentiles to live as the Jews do? Now, Bert, that, Paul, <laughs> Paul is a master of laying out really kind of a line in the sand. In other words, Peter, uh, you're a Jew, but you live freely under grace like Gentiles, and yet the Gentiles who are not Jews, you're going to compel them to live as Jews. Um, where's the, the consistency there? And so that, that's true, you know. I got to tell you, um, the church I got saved in was a good gospel preaching church, but they, oh man, they wanted to be legalistic and they wanted to add things to the gospel like a man's hair couldn't touch his collar or be on his ears. Now, this is 30 years ago plus, and King James only. And um, Bert, I was helping out with the youth, and I just about got excommunicated the day I brought a guitar into the sanctuary. Now, everything's cool, and we've learned about freedom in Christ, but even in the American church, and I love it so, but haven't we struggled with adding law onto grace in our own various camps? And a lot of times, it's nothing more than preference. That's the whole idea you know, I'd prefer this, I'd prefer that, and they try to make it a part of. It's not a part of. It never has been. It never will be. We're saved by grace through faith alone. That is it, and we need to understand that. But yet we want to say, yeah, but what about this? What about that? Now, I want to share with you, he's going to get to this later, and he's going to say this liberty that we have, and he uses the word liberty more than once. This liberty that we have in Christ is not a license. It is not legalism. Dr. Adrian Rogers, who you and I quote, he said, the two L's really get in our way. For one group, it's legalism. For another group, it's license. Mm -hmm. And both of them are long, wrong. We have a tendency as human beings to vary to the left or to the right and get into ditches, you know? And we're here Paul lays it out, and he says, Peter— that is divisionary. It's really hypocrisy. What's good yeah. for you is not good for them. Uh, you're putting things on them that you're not putting on yourself. And uh, listen, he said he was stood into the face. And yeah. this is amazing for Paul uh, to do this in, in, with Peter and those that were sent. Not, not necessarily they were sent by James, but they were sent from James. In other words, and James is the brother of Jesus, half-brother, we would say. He's the son of Joseph and Mary. And he comes, and he becomes a great leader in the Jerusalem church. And so, Alex, they've come from him. And uh, when that, they want the Judaizers, they want them to agree with them. And Peter is trying to play both sides at the same time. And I'll just say Paul calls him on it. Yeah, he, he really does. You know, we've said this before. In fact, um, I think you and I, you know, we were doing the show, you know, eight, nine years ago when Marvin had passed on. 
And you and me were getting to be friends real quick, but we bonded over this one illustration. Um, we were talking about law and license and standards, but grace. And one of us said um, that legalism is truth at the expense of love, but yep. liberalism is love at the expense of truth. That's it. Yep. And and we both agreed that that was a pretty good way to express it because, we, and and we need both. Now remember, let me just say this: we're going to move on in chapter two. But in First uh, Corinthians fifteen ten, Paul said, "I am what I am by the grace of God," and there, there's a lot in that. I mean, Paul was not arrogant by saying, "You know, I'm I'm an apostle that saw the risen Lord, and I wrote half the New Testament." <laughs> and, but at the same time, he didn't beat himself up. Oh, I persecuted the church and I killed Stephen and, oh, the Lord could never use me. Paul was bold. I mean, you think about this. When it came time to defend the gospel, Paul was willing to withstand Peter and even uh, to, a, to a degree James because the purity of the saving message was just that important. And I just I see courage and obedience in the in the life of Paul here, don't you? I do, Alex, and you, you're exactly right. He stood. And notice what he does this. Most of the time, he is fearless, and that is the word you use. Yes. And yes. it comes concerning salvation by grace through faith, fearless uh, when it comes time that Jesus Christ is the very God in flesh, and there's no other way. We need to have that attitude. We can do it, and we can do it in love. But we need to do it with courage and say, no, there is no other way. No, it's Christ alone, not Christ plus. No matter what that plus is, no matter what it is, it is Christ. Now, when Jesus really comes in, the God of the, I mean, we're talking about God coming into our lives. He changes things. Paul wrote Amen. that all things have become new. There's mm. a new purpose in my life. And let me just, I, I'm going to preach just a second, not long. Come on. But now. if you're thinking that walking down the aisle and being dunked in, in water has saved you without Christ coming into your life, changing your life, uh, you're being misled. Jesus Christ comes in and he changes things. Now, again, the righteousness that is declared, we would call it the justification is immediate. The sanctification yes, yes. is ongoing. And I'm as saved now. I was as saved as a 12-year-old boy on that Tuesday night in August when I got saved and I went home that night. I'm as saved then as I am now. But guess what's happened? God has worked in my life through what we call sanctification, setting us apart to say there's some things in my life, birth that had to had to go. Some things had to be added. And I'm just telling you, trust Christ in Christ alone. Don't put Christ plus something else into that category. Well, amen, amen. Well, we're going to come up in uh, Galatians 2.14, and really, uh, I, I'm sorry, Galatians 2.16, the, the whole New Testament is really almost summarized in one verse here. Now, keep in mind, we, like Bert said, we are justified declared righteous by putting our faith in Jesus. Do you know you can do that right now, uh, friends, uh, whoever you are. And if you think you've been too bad that God can't love you, listen, he does. Or if you think you're so good that you don't need Jesus, look, we all need Jesus. 
you can be immediately put right in the sight of the Lord by placing your faith in Jesus. And as Bert said, the rest of your life here on earth is this wonderful adventure of growing in Jesus. So there's justification at the moment of salvation. There's sanctification, growing more like Jesus every day for the rest of our life. Now, verse 15, we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Wow. Now, Galatians 2.16, this is huge. If you've ever said to yourself, well, I bet... I bet if there is a heaven, I'd get in because I'm, I'm a pretty good person. I've provided for my family. I've uh, generally obeyed the law. I, I'm, I guess I'm about as good as anybody else. Friend, those works of the law will not get you into heaven. You might be the greatest guy that ever came down the pike. How are you saved? Galatians 2.16, you are justified in the sight of God by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. We might be justified by faith in Christ, because he was the perfect sinless son of God. He fulfilled the law perfectly, and his righteousness is yours Amen. the moment you put your trust in Jesus. Alex, this is the first time justification is used by the Apostle Paul, but it's not the last. And mm. he's going to drive this home in Romans, and he's going to let people know, hey, we're going to come back with more of the book of Galatians right after the break. Don't go away. Op get your Bible, open it, and follow it with us. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for General James McConville, Chief of Staff of the Army. General McConville has served our country for 40 years and is a current member of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Psalm 7872 reminds us of the qualities of a good leader. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them with his skillful hands. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide General McConville as he continues to lead the U.S. Army and serve our country. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. We know that sin carries a penalty, but Dr. Tony Evans says it also has a power all its own. He'll explain why Jesus' sacrifice covered both as we spend two minutes with Tony. The penalty of sin secures your eternal destiny, but the power of sin messes up your life now. The penalty of sin he addressed on the cross when he died for your sins, but the power of sin was addressed when he rose from the dead. Because watch, what killed Jesus? Sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And because he bore our sin, sin killed Jesus. But when he rose on Sunday morning, he overrode what killed him. What killed him was sin. 
but the resurrection says I can beat it. So I don't care what the sin is, he can beat it by virtue of his resurrection, which is why Romans 5 verse 10 says that we are saved by his life. Saved means to be rescued. That Jesus is alive right now to rescue you, not first and foremost from your circumstances. And that's what folk don't want to talk about. That's what folk don't want to deal with. They just say, fix my problem. We're not here to talk about my sin. Jesus' only job description is you shall call his name Jesus and rescuer because he shall deliver his people from their sin. That's why Jesus came. Learn more about the significance of Jesus' role as Savior, Lord, and more. Check out Tony's book, The Power of Jesus' Names, available online at TonyEvans.org. And be sure to join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. 1 Peter 3, 14 through 16. American Family Radio. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bertie and Alex with you. We're in the book of Galatians. Alex, now stay with me with this thought. And okay. I just thought of it. It's not, it, it was, I've been studying, but a lot of times when you study, the best thoughts comes later, you know? Oh, but I know. The first book that was written, now it's not the first book in the Bible. The first book that was written that we think was, was the book of Job. Uh, probably the earliest writings was Job. And Moses would write after that. Job was part of the patriarchal uh, generation. Here's okay. his question in Job chapter 9, verse 2. How can a man be righteous before God? That was his question. How can a man be righteous before God? Paul, writing his first book that he wrote, of at least 13, in the book of Galatians, talked about getting righteous before God through justification. That's I I find that interesting. I you know uh, yeah the oldest book in the Bible. How can a man be righteous before God? Job asked that, and Paul answers it. It's because of justification through Christ. Yeah. Now, Job, if you remember reading it, and we've done the study of Job, he was looking for what was called an umpire. Some um, yeah, uh, we oh, would yeah. call it a mediator. Uh, that mediator is the Lord Jesus, isn't it? Well, it's the question of the ages. Bert, that's a great thought. I mean, the question that comes across the mind of every human being, am I right with God? And how do I get right with God? And how can I know that I'm right with God? You know, there's so much, so much we could say, my dear friends, to commend the Lord Jesus to you and the message of Christ. But, uh, and there, there are, there's one song that says 10,000 joys in knowing Christ. And that's true. But Bert, just the peace to know that come what may, I am made right in the sight of God 
through Jesus Christ. Amen. And, and it's the and, only way. There, there's yeah. no other way, Alex. Exactly, exactly. And you know what? Um, before COVID, I spent the last 12, 15 years, I mean, speaking at a lot of universities. And I've got a couple of college events coming up through January, and I'll be telling you about those. But um, I've had more than a few skeptics ask me privately. They'll say, you know, but um, how do you know? How do you know? I said, because the Word of God is true and the Son of God is risen. And that that assurance, I mean, listen, uh, we're all going to die. And let me just say this, our own mortality, a lot of people don't like to think about it. It's uncomfortable. They push it out of their mind until it's too late. But the wisest thing you'll ever do, and it really is the pathway to joy and peace, the, the most important and, and frankly, wisest thing you'll ever do is to admit, look, I, I'm going to leave this world one day. I'm not going to live forever. We all die, and I want to be prepared. And that's why Galatians 2 says that if we have believed in Jesus Christ, we are justified, not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified, made right in the sight of God. Now, verse 17 of Galatians 2, but if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners. Is Christ therefore the minister of sin? God forbid. Now, let me unpack 17 a little bit, and Bert, you feel free to chime in or, or correct me. But here's the thing. If we say, okay, I get it. Salvation is through faith in Jesus. But I'm also going to be counting on my works. Then Christ doesn't justify sinners who are trusting in their own fallen deeds. I mean, Christ, any sinner can come to Christ, but you're made right through faith in what he did, not faith in what we did. So what if Jesus says, you know what, that's right, um, that guy is on his way to heaven because of his own personal works. No. If we're on our way to heaven, it's because of Christ's work. And so Paul says, God forbid. Bert, it reminds me, and I've, I've told this story but I was on a plane with a young man. We were headed to Canada, and he was uh, in rabbinical school, uh, one day going to be a rabbi, and we were talking about being made right in the sight of God. And all this while, he was drawing on his wrist with an ink pen. I won't tell the whole story, but I said, if, if you died and God said, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? And this young rabbinical student, he thought, he said, because I've kept the law. Now, keep in mind, he's doodling on his wrist with an ink pen. And I said, really, you've kept all of the law? And he said, yeah, I have. I said, really? Every bit. I said, what about Leviticus 19.28? And he, looked, he said, what is that? He says, don't make a mark on your body. And he looked at me, and he kind of went like, ugh. And <laughs> I, I said, so that's a sin. And he, my, I quote verbatim. He said, well, I guess I'm hoping God will be cool with it. That's what he said. Uh, and I said, well, no sin, uh, no sin is going to be led into heaven. So we don't trust our own works because none of us have fully uh, kept the law. That's true. But we can trust Christ's work, and in faith in Jesus, we are completely justified. Jesus only saves sinners. You got it? I Amen. mean, sinners. And you need to realize, I need to realize that we are sinners, whether they're 
a, a student studying to be a rabbi, and Paul, he said concerning the law, he was perfect. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisee. He was the strictest of the Pharisees. We found that in his testimony, but yet sin had separated him from God. And so when we read verse 17, there is no other way apart from Christ and faith in him to be right, to be justified by God. And it doesn't give you the right to sin. It doesn't give you the right to, to think everything that you want to. No, you've been bought with a price, and therefore liberty is there. But listen, liberty has boundaries. And, and Paul will talk about those boundaries in 1 Corinthians. He'll talk about them. He'll say, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient, you know? He says, all things are lawful for me, but I'll not be brought under the power of any. In mm. other words, Alex, this liberty that we have is is the f- freedom, yes, the liberty to do what we should, but also the freedom to do what we should not do. That's the mm. liberty. It's a setting us free. And so he says, for if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. If I go back to the law... <laughs> And I've been saved by faith, but I go back to the law to try to justify myself. I find myself in transgression for I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. That's in verse 19. Listen to that. For through the law, for I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. He found out this, this Old Testament law brought forth death. And guess what he did? He died to it. He said, no hope in that. There's nothing to that. I live in Christ and in God alone. Um, Amen. Alex, Amen. Paul was driving it home. Let me read that other verse that follows that, and I know you want to comment. I have been crucified. Here's the verse, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. Very it is famous. no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's one of those verses that if you've been saved, you ought to memorize, meditate on. It says, I am crucified with Christ. You know, Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. In other words, you crucify self. It's no longer I. I don't want mine. I want to be bought by Christ, and I want to fulfill his purpose in my life. Again, do you understand it? It's hard to completely to, to explain uh, after you've experienced, Alex, we do our best to explain it. Paul's doing his best to explain it. But let me just share you, it's of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? It is. It really and is. And he's going to get to the Holy Spirit. It's, he mentions the Holy Spirit 18 times in the book of Galatians in the Holy Spirit's ministry. Bert, don't you think um, if Paul were Adrian Rogers, if he were up on a pulpit preaching, by the beginning of chapter three, he he would be getting very impassioned. Oh man! Yeah, you know, chapter two concludes. He says, "Look, if if I if I return to what I used to do, if I rebuild that which I once destroyed, he's because he's saying there was a day when I was trusting my good works, but then I trusted Christ and was really saved. But if I return to a works based righteousness, uh, you know, then I've made the gospel, you know, no effect. And then in chapter 3, which we'll get to probably uh, tomorrow, he says, you know, oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you or deceived you? But then there's that famous verse as he's building to this very 
very key point. He says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the body, I now live by the faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Um, The gospel is right there in Galatians 2.20. Faith in what? The person and work of Jesus. Who is the person of Christ? God the Son. What did he do? He loved me and gave himself for me. And he did that for every single one of you. You know, Bert, I, I probably sound like a broken record, but just to everybody listening, God loves you. And you have never and could never do so much or wander so far that God would stop loving you. Now, you have to turn to Christ in this life. Once you die, there is no second chance after death. Don't don't believe any reincarnation or something like that. That's not true. The only opportunity you have is while you're alive now and have your mind and you can trust Christ. But Bert, somebody might have run from God for a long time. God still loves you. On a cross 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave his life for you, and he's as close by as a prayer. You can call on him now. And Paul says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could could have been gained through the law, then literally Christ died for nothing. That's exactly right. And and we're talking about Paul, again, his testimony, if if works could have saved a person, if the law could change a person, I would have been changed. I would have been right. I was not. God had to intervene. Now, Alex, I want to go back and again, verse 20. You, uh, I heard I was listening to an introduction to a sermon series today, and uh, Jim Stanley had sent it and asked me to look at it and listen, evaluate it. And uh, he was going to preach five sermons on the same text. It was that and about a chosen generation, a holy priesthood. But here in chapter 2, verse 20, we could spend the whole session in chapter 2, verse 20 here. But notice this. It's the great exchange. Notice what he says. Since I have been crucified with Christ, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I call it the great exchange. I had a sermon, and I preached under new management. Have you ever seen mm. something like that, a restaurant or a store, and sure, uh, they sure. bought, you know, they let it run down, and somebody else bought it, and they remodeled, and they refurbished it, and it to sign it to say, under new management. I want to just tell you, we need to walk around with a sign, not necessarily in words, but people observing and saying, Man, Alex McFarlane is under new management. Have you noticed Amen. the difference in him? Even even uh, teenagers, we have teenagers that listen to us from time to time. More of the time when they're in school and they're in the back seat with mom or dad or somebody, they're still listening. Listen, walk around. You've been changed. You're under new management, and this new management has brought in new life in your life. So it's no longer I, but it's Christ in me. Alex Man, uh, I think it was S.M. Lockridge. He he was asked to preach a sermon on Christ in me, and he started out his introduction. He said, uh, today I've been asked to preach this sermon. He said, Christ, how could I spend 30 or 40 minutes looking at the unsearchable name of Christ? That's more than I could ever do in four, uh, 30 minutes, so I'm not going to preach on Christ. And you, he said, 
you know, we're so evil, so bad, so far away from God and how much God needs to change our life. It'd take more than 30 minutes. So I'm just going to preach a sermon on in. Mm, <laughs> and he mm. preached, it really did. He preached a sermon on in. It was an awesome sin. Awesome, awesome sermon when he talked yes. about, you know, Moses coming in to Christ uh, God. It was Jonah. Uh, going into the well, Noah coming into mm. the ark. And so you're in Christ. Alex, it's no longer I, but it's Christ yeah. in me. Amen. Uh, I mean, and friend, you know, that is reason to rejoice. It really, uh, you know, that old song we've referenced it so many times, nothing in my hand I bring simply to the cross. I cling. And the, the lyric, it's uh, this is really beautiful because, uh, You've got to be robed in the righteousness of Christ. And that, that, old, that old hymn said, Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul to the fountain I fly, wash me, Savior, or I'll die. Wow. And uh, Bert, people, people don't write songs like that too <laughs> they, much they anymore. They do not. They're not as poetic. One more thing, and I know we got one minute left, but just notice this. He says, I live by faith. He mm. was saved by faith. Right. This is the whole issue. The Judaizers said, yeah, you were saved by faith, but you've got to keep it by keeping the law. Paul said, no, I was saved by faith. Guess what? I live by that faith. Alex, Amen. Paul was making that argument. He made it plain. And he, tomorrow, as you've already talked about in chapter 3, he is going to give the biblical historical documentation that you're saved by grace through faith. Yes, Galatians is so powerful, and you know it's it's. I know we repeat ourselves. It's not a trite saying, but we're not saved by works. We're not kept saved by works, but it's gratitude to Jesus that makes us want to live right for Him. Stay tuned. We're back after this with your questions. American Family Radio newscasts are now available as a podcast. I'm Rusty Pugh. I'm Steve Jordahl. Didn't catch the full story? Listen to the podcast. I'm Chris Woodward. I'm Chad Groening. Didn't have the radio on at the top of the hour? Listen to the podcast. I'm Charlie Bunch. And I'm Fred Jackson. Get accurate news from a Christian perspective whenever you want it with the American Family News podcast. You can also sign up for our daily news brief. Visit onenewsnow.com. You've heard about critical race theory, but do you know what it really is and that it's being taught to our children in public schools with a goal of completely brainwashing our children? I'm Sam Rohr, host of Stand in the Gap Weekend, heard Sunday from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Time. Join me, Dr. Keith Wiebe, and special guest Jameson Coppola, Government Relations Director of the American Association of Christian Schools for Critical Race Theory versus Christian Education, Sunday from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Time. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. We live in an era currently where spirituality is in vogue. Christ following is not. Some even claim to love Jesus while simultaneously rebelling against his word and encouraging others to rebel similarly. But Jesus said it himself, If you love me, you will obey me. Whoever does not love me does not obey my words. Make no mistake about it. To love Jesus is to obey him. You cannot love Jesus and disobey him. If you're living in open rebellion against Jesus' word, you're not following Jesus as he's revealed himself in scripture. 
You're following a God you've created. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. In Luke chapter 5, verse 18, we read this. They were seeking to bring the paralytic in and lay him before Jesus. NFL star J.J. Watt has signed lots of game jerseys in his career, but one day he received a game jersey from a seven-year-old football player. That little boy had autographed his own jersey and included this note, I'm giving you my signed game jersey. When I become an NFL star, you'll know who I am. J.J. Watt was impressed. He said, this kid has guts and I like it. Well, Jesus loves it when we have a gutsy confidence in him. Having absolute confidence in Jesus will enable you to bring others to him so that he can save them. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. What will I say when I'm held to the flame like I am right now? Welcome back to Exploring the Word, the number, toll-free number nationwide. Uh, we would love to have your Bible question. It is 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. By the way, you're listening to the American Family Radio Network, and the website for the radio network is AFR.net, as in American Family Radio. You can forward this show on or re-listen to it uh, and all kinds of incredible programming, Today's Issues, and the Hamilton Corner, and Sandy Rios, and so many great shows. All of us, we're, we're just excited about God's Word and helping you look at life here in the 21st century from a, a biblical perspective. You and your family, and you can influence others around you for the truth of the gospel. So familiarize yourself with AFR.net. And we're going to go to the calls now. Again, the number is 888-589-8840. We welcome your Bible questions. First of all, today, we go to Mississippi and we speak with James. James, welcome to the program. Great. How are you guys today? Good. Good to have you. Yes, sir. Um, First off, I wanted to say that before I got saved, you could have never made me believe that Jesus could change a life but when it happened to me i was a believer amen (laughs) hallelujah james amen praise god that makes you want to shout don't it It does amen (laughs) that's a great testimony he's changed our lives amen james got a question brother i I, I do i I just want to ask you guys do you think that the wrath of god is going to be anywhere near equal to the love of god and I'll hang up and listen. Oh, wow. Great question. Mm. You know, the two great attributes that God says he is, he says, be holy for I am holy. And then he said, God is love. He is love. Those are the two great attributes. And the only way he could be true to both of those without being a hypocrite, just the way Peter was a hypocrite with, that we've talked about talking, you know, uh, today, Alex, is is mm-hmm. Jesus Christ coming as the perfect sacrifice? I 
I'll put it this way. I do believe the love of God trumps the wrath of God because God, it doesn't mean he won't be wrathful. doesn't mean when I say Trump, I believe it's stronger. His love for us is strong. Now, that does not do away with his wrath being poured out. You may disagree with that, saying they're equal, but the love of God, you remember the song, the love of God is greater than? Uh, mm-hmm. It is. I, I just, it overcomes sin. It overcomes, uh, you know, it says for this he winked at, you know, the yeah. love of God. Go ahead, brother. Well, you know, this is one of those areas of mystery because um, we know God, God is love. That's just one of part of his nature. God is love. But a beautiful, wonderful thing about God can be a blessing to one, but a curse to another in a way. Um, so, no, the, the Bible does speak, the, the word wrath or, or judgment or anger or punishment occurs about 180 times in the Bible. Um, and I've heard people ask this, is the, are the wrath and the love of God almost the same? Because to the believer, God's love is a wonderful sanctuary to which we flee. But to the unbeliever, uh, the holiness and love of God is really uh, a conviction and a judgment. Um, I think, I agree with Bert, that his love is just his most fundamental characteristic, his righteousness and his love. But God does punish sin. Now, part of the punishment of sin is that people encounter the God they rejected. But I, I really do think that the Bible talks about uh, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all manner of ungodliness, says Paul, that um, there is the just punishment of sin and sinners that God's holiness mandates. So the love and the wrath are not synonymous or identical, but um, they do work in concert with each other and in perfect righteousness. God doesn't do anything unrighteously. Amen. But uh, good question. Samuel in Texas Samuel, I got to ask, what part of the Lone Star State are you in, my friend? Yes, I'm in Corpus Christi, Texas. Oh wow, Body I, of Christ! I wonder Corpus if your Christi. congressman is in Washington D.C. I, I no, <laughs> let's not bring that up here. I just couldn't resist that. If you don't know what I'm talking about, listen to the program and more on AFR, and you'll find out there are some congressmen that got out of the state of Texas real quick. So anyway, Samuel, that was a different well, subject, I'm, and I shouldn't have brought it up. <laughs> Well, no, that's that's okay. But I'll be honest with you, my my particular representative was not one of those representatives. Hallelujah. So, um, Amen. Yeah, in my Congress, yeah. So I'm thankful for that. So, <laughs> but yeah, my question is: it's a related it's a relation to um, not being justified by the law, or I would say the Torah, which we all agree with that being the case. Um, and the question I have, though, is is that oftentimes things seem to be said in such a way that it's as if no one has, there's no requirement to walk in the ways that he's given us to walk in. Um, for example, you know, you know that Yeshua, or Jesus, he came, and it says that he, le- in Peter, it says that he left us an example so that we may follow in his steps. And we know that he did not break any of the commands that he's given, that he gave humanity, because he walked perfectly as the perfect lamb. 
And and then the other portion of that is dealing with Romans the fifth chapter. And I know you're, we're in Galatians, but it, I believe it's very it's pertinent. Um, he's talking about the fifth chapter in verse five. It talks about that expectations doesn't disappoint because the love that the love of God for us has been poured out by His um, Spirit that He gave to us. And I believe the question there becomes: What is the purpose of the Spirit if it's not to cause us to walk in His ways? his Torah, his leading, his instructions, and his teaching. Mm. Thank you, Samuel. Alex? That's a great question. It is a great question. And again, let me quote one thing. I'll turn it to Alex. But part of what we've talked about in Galatians, verse 17, really says, but if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also were found sinners, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Uh, would he advocate more sin? And the idea is, God forbid, it's not a license. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, uh, Samuel asked, what's the purpose of the Spirit? You know, um, among the purposes of the Holy Spirit, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says that um, God's seal, S-E-A-L, has been put upon us, and having the pledge or the earnest of the Holy Spirit uh, in our hearts. So here's the thing, that the Holy Spirit seals us and indwells us and guides us. Uh, and the, the Holy Spirit is, if I can use a common word, down payment or earnest. And we've often used this illustration. Let's say you buy a house and you put down earnest money. Now, the closing date is on out there, but you're not going to walk away because you're under contract and your good name is on that paper, and you put down earnest money. Among other things, and the works of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer are many, but the Spirit is the down payment or the pledge or the earnest of our salvation. Holy Spirit seals us, not only to guide us, teach us, grow us, shape us, glorify Jesus. I think the Spirit is in the believer uh, among many other things, for the good of the body of Christ. Oh, See, amen. A big part of the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of each believer is that we would be a contributor to and a blessing to the the body of the rest of the believers. And so um, that's why the Bible says, you know, don't quench the Spirit, don't grieve the Spirit, don't resist the Spirit, because... The, the best favor you could ever do for yourself is to follow the yieldings and the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Good word. Jesus said, I must go away. If I don't go away, the Spirit will not come. But when He comes, He will do these certain things about, you know, sin and conviction and indwelling. He indwells us. And instructs um, he does the, uh, the anointing of the spirit that we see a lot in the Old Testament the spirit coming upon people for a task in the New Testament he comes in us and stays never to leave us never to forsake us but he fills us with his spirit but he gives his unction from the Holy Spirit for task we're desperate for the Holy Spirit I would say Samuel uh, I think the difference let me do it as quickly as I can watch Peter before Pentecost, and watch Peter in the book of Acts after Pentecost. He is still flesh, still making mistakes, 
but the difference is amazing. He would deny Christ at the fire, but in front of the Sanhedrin and those all that said, you don't speak anymore in his word name after the Pentecost, at, the Holy Spirit came into him. He said, we can't help but speak the things that we have seen and heard. It's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that is our empowerment, Alex, to do all that mm. God's called us to do. And it does bring us together, too. Amen. Uh, 888-589-8840, Exploring the Word. We welcome your Bible questions. Today we go to Richard in Arkansas. Richard, welcome to the program. Hello. Oh, hang on just a quick second. I'll tell okay. you what, we'll have to do this. In the- okay, we're sorry, okay, Richard. Sorry yeah. about that. Hey, call back, man. Yeah, try, try us again. Hey, how about uh, going to Mississippi, uh, Josetta? Do, do I have your name correct, Josetta? Yes, sir. Hi. Okay. Yes, well, terrific. thank you for listening. Thank you, too. Um, uh, in reference to the book of Galatians and everything, uh, the Lord had me read it twice uh, recently. Um, but I'm, I'm gonna be honest, my question actually is pertaining to the show The Chosen. Uh, are you all familiar with it? I have watched mm-hmm. one, one of them. I haven't watched the whole thing, but very familiar with the the advertisement of it. Go ahead. Yes, sir. Uh, it's very well known as far as the most believers, um, <clears throat> uh, and some non-believers are watching it. And um, they have a disclaimer. I've watched both season one and season two, where um, the disclaimer says that they're you know they're not the Bible. Um, and there's just been controversy, I think, over the show. Um, I think. I've been kind of conflicted because, you know, when I um, watch the show and I, I hear reviews, uh, I see how um, many people have it, it's made an impact where people have actually, uh, who may not have been opening their Bibles, have started to open their Bibles. Um, but the conflict I've had is there's been a controversy. Uh, one of the things that kind of stood out to me is the creator of the show. He has a, a round table. And uh, the round table includes uh, a pastor, a Jewish rabbi, and a Catholic priest. And I was um, Catholic myself at one time, and the Lord delivered me, and I think that's one of the reasons that I was feeling conflicted. Um, not everybody involved with the show was a believer. Um, the show was very well made. Um, but the conflict I've, I've had is, uh, or the controversy um, is, is it possible that it may lead to ecumenism, you know, where, um, I hope I'm making sense. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. Like, I follow you. It's, it's like you don't want to, um, uh, you want people to be saved because ultimately that's the goal. But it, at the same time, um, believers, even though we're called to be salt and we're called to be light, uh, at the same time, we're not supposed to um, have fellowship with non-believers. Okay. Yeah, J- Josetta, the chosen is being used of God in a significant way. Uh, at the NRB, they had a big booth there, and it was amazing how many people were dropping by. And, uh, okay, Alex, uh, ecumenicalism, it, you can go too far. But also, you can be separated too much. Have you got a balance on that? Yeah, um, overall, and Joe said, thank you very much. I would encourage people to check it out. 
Look, there, there, there is what we might call artistic license that is appropriate to make a story flow. And then there's, you know, heresy, which is intentionally changing. Uh, I'm trying to think because we saw him, um, Dallas Jenkins was his name, the director of this. And he had said, I read an interview, it might have been with Plugged In Magazine, where he said um, that he, quote, absolutely believed every word in the Bible. Um, and so when certain things are done to make the story flow or make the characters relatable, in, in no way were they trying to change anything, but to, to see, because the, the printed page, translating that into a, a film or a movie requires some, you know, supplemental scenes and materials. But as far as ecumen- ecumenicalism, in the sense, listen very carefully, in the sense of we get different religions together and let's just agree that we're all true. No, we reject that. But in the sense of different denominations, but, but we, agree, we agree Jesus is the one and only Son of God. We agree Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We agree that we put our faith in Jesus. Those are people that, yeah, we can link arms with, uh, I believe, Bert. There, there's an ecumenical sense that's bad, like the World Council of Churches. But then there's an ecumenical collegial spirit where we can agree to work together because we, we're in agreement on the essentials. And I think that's good. It is. Billy Graham was criticized by so many people because he worked with different denominations. They were all Christian church, but they were different denominations. And I want to just tell you, uh, he changed the world through his ministry. And if he had been so strict and rigid that only certain things, Alex, you don't deny Christ, uh, but there's room. If you know Christ Mm -hmm. and you're following him, you're saved by grace through faith, you're part of the family. Yes. We'll be back tomorrow with more of Exploring the Word on the American Family Radio Network.